Reporting all right. in progress. Yep. So, all right, everyone. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the CV Update. Once again, we had another packed week in sports events, which featured five Red Sox games, three Celtics games, three Bruins games, and ongoing discussion about the Patriots as the NFL draft is just 12 days away, in addition to the retirement of a star player for the team. We will cover all of that today. And joining me as usual is my co-host, Rohan Venkatesh. This time, he's on time. Rohan, how are you doing? <laughs> good as always, man. Dude, it's good to be back. Yep, good to have you back. And also, just joining me this week, we're very, we are extremely excited to bring on Anirban Chakraborty, who you remember has appeared twice on this show so far, and Paras Patnaik, who's making his debut on this podcast. Anirban, pa Paris, welcome, and thank you for coming on today. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm doing well, thanks. Excited to be here. Okay, yeah, thanks for having me on board. Yep, we're honor. very happy to have you, Paris. Welcome to the CV Update uh, family we have going here. It's an ongoing family, and once you're in, you're in for life. So whether or not you like it or not, welcome on board. But anyways, guys, let's start off with the Bruins. Obviously, it's been a very interesting week. So they got crushed by the Washington Capitals 8-1. Yeah, that was an ugly one. Yeah, that was an ugly one. Yeah, that that was an ugly one, one. But, like, but most, most goals that they've ever given up in a single game. And of course, I felt bad for Daniel Vladar because like he had no help from the defense. And and he got this young kid and both both of the goal, both of the uh, main goalies are gone. Rask was gone. Uh, and of course, uh, Halak was gone because of because of um because of coronavirus. So so it was basically up to Halak and Swayman to just kind of like hold. I mean, up Vladar and Swayman, right? Vladar and Swayman, not Halak. Yeah, Vladar. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, Vladar and Swayman. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, misspoke there. Yeah, and so it's basically left to these two kids to just kind of handle everything for the team. And of course, the Bruins just being as depleted as they are, they had they had four defensemen missing. They had that Charlie McAvoy, Grizzly, Brandon Carlo, John were all gone for that game, and and like. I guess it didn't. It came as a little surprise that they that they lost. I just didn't expect them to get crushed in that kind of fashion. And uh, and of course, I mean, and, uh, Bruce Casty didn't take kindly to it. Uh, of course, what he was asked by uh, Sophia Yerkshevich over at Nesson whether uh, this is some sort of um, a bad game that the Bruins would need in the grand scheme of things. And, and like you could see that he was mad, and, and he was like, "No, no way!" And, and, like he suggested, like, like that that kind of stuff's only needed if the players get arrogant or something like that. But basically, yeah, he wasn't happy. But but if you saw how they picked it up after that, yeah, uh, three wins. Yeah, since yeah, then. yeah, yeah. So so uh, so maybe so so maybe there's a little bit of truth to that question. Uh, when I saw like when I saw it at the time, I was thinking, hmm, like uh, like what's what's going on with that question? But but of course, I mean, like you, you had a kind of gritty game against Buffalo, just barely pulling it out in the shootout. Hey, there's uh, also Taylor Hall. We we should talk about the guys they got. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor Hall, yeah, Taylor Hall, Curtis Lazar, both of them coming over from uh, from uh, from the Sabers Buffalo, and. and, yep. and uh, and, and and so like their first game, their first game away from the Sabres is against their former team. So so that that dynamic totally adds a new storyline into there. But those two additions were super important because I was saying in the previous podcast because 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 most of their offensive production was coming from that from that Bergeron Marchand Pasternak line, and then uh, which is the first line, and then from the second, third, and fourth lines they didn't really have a lot of depth. And so so these additions of, of Hall and Lazar adds a lot more depth to the lineup so that so that if uh if, if Marshawn has a bad game or Bergeron has, has an off game or I mean, they really didn't have to give up that yeah, much yeah. to get either of them which is good like Taylor uh, yeah yeah because like he's because, a good I mean, player with, with this with the Sabres it really looked like they were having a fire sale going on because because um because they they were just sending all their players they didn't really request any players from everyone from anyone all they were requesting in return was uh I mean they were they're requesting draft picks 
So, it, it, I mean, it, it really seems to me that the, that the Sabres are really trying to deplete their team and, and, and they're on full on rebuild mode. But, but, um, but hey, for the Bruins, it's something, it's something that I'm willing to take in the short run, uh, maybe even, even, maybe even the mid to, uh, uh, mid to long term, because, because, um, uh, because this is how you develop players in the, in the long run. Of course, that's not the only addition that they got. They got, they got Mike Raleigh. Mike Raleigh. He's been got, good. I like the yeah, way yeah. he plays. Yeah. So, like, so he's so a the, good uh, defender. Uh, yeah. A, a poor defenseman uh, addition from, uh, from, um, uh, from, from Ottawa. So, so that's, so that's an important addition. And, and of course you can't argue with the results since of course I know it's, it's early. It's only been like three games since, since that eight, one shellacking against, against the capitals. But I mean, a win against, against the Sabres, but two awfully oh, yeah. wins against the Islanders. Oh yeah. Four, one and three, zero. And Swayman, that was promising a shutout. He shut out um, the Islanders. And the other day, Tuca coming back after a long like injury layoff, he played oh, yeah, he good. Yeah. He was good. I mean, and Taylor Hall scored both goal games, right? Goals in both games. And I think that's just so important because the Islanders, they were 5-0 and against the Bruins, right? And obviously you had some shootouts, but it was such a frustrating sequence. The fact that you now go back-to-back days and you beat that Islanders team, a huge momentum booster, especially with the playoffs right around the corner. If you have to play New York now, you feel oh, a yeah. lot better about your chances. Especially in that them. fourth slot, especially in that fourth slot in, in the Eastern Division, you got Philadelphia competing with them. And of course, of course, uh, I think like last week or so, they they they, uh, they dropped one against Philadelphia. So that kind of made things like, uncomfortably tight uh but but getting one again getting a win against the islanders um who are now second and now they're behind behind washington it, it gives me a lot more faith that the, that the bruins are going to be i mean they're not a shoe in for the playoffs definitely they, they still got to fight hard but uh but but it makes me feel a lot better about their prospects of making the playoffs of course they're going to be down as a four seed if, if the playoffs were to begin today and they'd have to play against uh against the capitals and even though they they, they did get uh thumped against them uh, they have beaten them before. So something like the Islanders were a good team. The Capitals were a good team, but uh, they're not 10 feet tall. And, and, that, and that's what, and that's what yesterday's they're game. They're not Tampa Ryan, basically is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then and, and Thursday's game against, against, against the Islanders. It really, it really showed me that, that like if, if they can, if they can, if they can put all the pieces together, they can put everything together. Then they got a real shot at, at, uh, at competing against, against great teams, like, like the Capitals, like the Islanders. Uh, you mentioned Tampa, a uh, perpetual nemesis for, for, um, for, uh, for the Bruins, uh, we're not going to really know how, how that's going to go until until um uh, interdivisional play opens up in the second round of the playoffs because the first round is all intradivisional. Um, but yeah, we're going to see, see what how happens. That, how that goes. do you have any thoughts on this? Like at all, like the Bruins' recent play? Like, what do you think? Do you think they're trending in the right direction now, or do you think this is just sort of smoke in the mirror? Like, it's not anything. Like, it's a mirage. We've kind of seen this before, right? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I'm also like feeling pretty optimistic right now. Um, Kind of for some of the reasons that like Rohan brings up, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much to add, honestly, in terms of this analysis. Sense, but anyway, that's the Bruins for this week. Obviously, I misspoke. There was actually four games, so they went three and one, as we mentioned. So not three games, but four games. But anyways, three guys, wins. <laughs> yep, three wins, one loss, which is good for a good week. I mean, okay. So, anyways, let's move on to the Celtics now. Um, it's been pretty good since last week when they lost to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, they've gone on a five-game winning streak, but and then since then they beat the Denver Nuggets, and this was before uh, Jamal Murray. Yeah, and the Warriors come up tonight. Yeah, I mean, they beat the Denver Nuggets, a good win against the Portland Trailblazers. And then the Lakers, obviously, I don't like the way that game ended because they allowed the Lakers all the way, almost all the way back. It was down to five points, like a 25, 26 point lead, trimmed to five points in like five minutes. I didn't like that. Paris, let's listen to you. Like, what do you think, like, about the Celtics? Like, this has been a very streaky team. Like, what do you think about this team going forward? Uh, First round, second round, where do you see this team going? 
Uh, well, I feel like my perspective on their playoff hopes has definitely changed a lot this past week. I feel like the timing of this run, you know, after the trade deadline, it seems like the team's really finding their identity. I can definitely see them making it to the second round. Eastern Conference Finals could be tricky, but I think they're trending in the right direction for sure. Yeah, I mean, really, like, I mean, Amir, I'll, I'll ask you this quickly, Paris. Like, Paris, you think, like, at the best this team is not going to beat Brooklyn, right? Like, there's no chance this team beats a healthy Brooklyn team. So, really, I'm just saying as far as they go until they have to play the Nets. No chance, really? I mean, like, I, I mean, yeah. unlikely, unlikely. But, I mean, uh, like, upsets aren't unheard of. Yeah, but Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, like, that's just too good of a trio to, like, match, right? I don't know. I'd give them more of a chance against the Sixers and the Bucks for sure. But, you know, I wouldn't count anything out. You know, this team has a lot of potential, a lot of young guys. You know, all it takes is you know, a good team effort. I think they and, can actually handle know. Milwaukee, honestly. They were 2-1 against Milwaukee this season. The last time they played Milwaukee, they crushed them. And that was like and the game before, like Milwaukee blew a huge lead. It came down to Daniel Tice missing that game-winning three, if you remember, at the buzzer. So I actually think against Milwaukee's – Final shot is a Celtic. <laughs> And yeah, no, like, um, yeah, he got traded to the Chicago Bulls afterward. But yeah, also, I just wanted to quickly touch upon uh, Jabari Parker. Surely you guys have now heard, signed with the Celtics, um, former number two overall draft pick from 2014. Had that as battles with injury, but is an intriguing player. Like, I don't know, Mirabang, let me listen to you. What do you think of Parker's addition to the team? Do you think he'll help this team going forward? Or do you think this is another, like, sort of, like, I don't know. Like, what do you think of the Parker addition? I actually think it's an intriguing signing. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I've been hearing kind of from reading around is kind of, you know, Parker has already had a bit of a kind of a lot of highs and lows of really diverse range of outcomes in his career so far. And I'm really interested in kind of seeing how he matches with the squad we currently have here. And especially, I think, kind of in line with what Parker said, it'll be interesting to have a new face, especially with a new, with the, with the better way we've been playing recent weeks. Like, for example, in terms of turnovers, I was reading today, how much we've improved on that, how we've seen even recent games Tristan Thompson's game improving a lot, making up for kind of Tice's absence we've seen. Um, even things like Tatum's free throw shooting, right? A lot of these uh, improvements, and I'm really excited to see how an addition of kind of a, a fresh uh, perspective from Jabari Parker could even add to those positives. Yeah, Paris, like, what's your take on Jabari Parker? Like, I mean, I just want to put some stats out there just to show his impact. Like, last season, he only played 32 games with the Atlanta Hawks, but he started 23 excuse me, he averaged 15 points a game and he's still only 26. And then with the Wizards in 18 to 19, playing 25 games, but still averaged 15 a game. This guy can score the ball. And I think that's good for your bench, right? Like having a guy like once Fournier does come back from the COVID protocol, you have uh, Parker off the bench. Like, I think those are two guys, like I don't, obviously there's a reason he's still available. He's obviously been off, like with the Kings, he did pretty much nothing this season. Um, so I don't know. What do you think of Parker's addition to the team? Are you, do you think this can actually be someone who can actually help the team going forward or just another flop well i definitely think he has a lot of scoring potential off the bench now i'm a little bit wary because of his track record in the past but i think you know he's not being put in a position where he has to do too much and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him so i definitely think he can make a positive impact this season and hopefully going forward yeah, no, I mean, he did sign a two-year deal. So when you say going forward, he could be around next season as well. But yeah, no, let's see as well. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think... As, yeah, the Celtics like, are better off than they were before. I mean, like, they, like, they just have to find that confidence in their game because, like, because like, if you look at the past week, I mean, like, that, that like, the first game in, in, in this past week was against, like, the Nuggets who were on an eight-game win streak. It was, like, they, they, were, they were an insanely hot team. They won by 18. To put the brakes on them. And then and then right right after that, they they, they come out strong against, uh, against this Portland team, of course. So, I mean, that game... Uh, ended up being closer than I would have liked. I mean, they, they let Portland in late, but they somehow 
they held on late, Tatum, late, late. that late shot yeah yeah i mean is that, that that i mean that that shot then they had that those like back and forth last second fouling but then the celtics were able to pull it off and of course against the lakers i know of course i mean the lakers i mean they're they're not at their best i mean lebron is still out but even then still it's it's such a it, i mean it's a moral victory in the sense that in the sense that you just took down you, you just took down um oh, the defending champions against like your arch rival so i mean like so whenever that whenever that happens I, I get it. I get it that um, if, if you actually compare the teams uh, side by side, um, it's 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 um, it's not as impressive. But psychologically, it does a lot, and, and a lot of this is psychology. If they can go on an insane hot streak right now, then who knows? Maybe they can even grab the five or or even the four seed or something like that. Well, they are the and, five right now, right? So I think they're tied with. Uh, yeah, yeah, there were six at the, the time. Play. I don't, I don't, I don't think they got into the five seed ever since. Maybe, maybe they did. It's highly believable. No, they are the five seed right now, now, actually. So they like, but they're tied with Atlanta for the four seed. And really that's probably not the highest they're going to go because Milwaukee, I believe is like six games ahead of them for the three seed. But yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I think the Celtics have been definitely trending in the right direction. I'm just still yeah. very, I'm just cautious about them because we've seen this. Before. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Like, remember, right before the All-Star break, they won like four games, right, Paris? And then all of a sudden they went on like a losing streak. And I just want another thing, because like, you've been hearing about this, and this is sort of like something I was listening. But do you hear about how Jason Tatum actually called Kendrick Perkins after Perkins criticized his game? And then since then, Jason Tatum looked like a different player this past week after Kendrick Perkins went on Twitter and basically ripped Jason Tatum. And then Jason Tatum actually called him, had a conversation like, do you think that actually made an impact? And another thing... This is just interesting. Apparently, Jason Tatum's 2K rating in NBA 2K, the video game, that dropped from 90 to 89. And apparently, that also really pissed him off. Like, you know, it's like one of those, like, it's the mental factor. Like, oh, I'm not a 90 anymore. These, these like, things change in real time? Yeah. With the yeah, 2K game? Yeah. They actually <laughs> know that. They updated it from 90 to 89. Like, what do you guys think about that? Because I just, I just thought that was very humorous. But if that's what's happening, I hope 2K just keep bringing him down every time he has a bad game. Because if that's what motivates him, then... Maybe that's what we need to do. Like, I mean, so, 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 two K ratings are just like the betting markets; they change in real time. Well, yeah, yeah. I think like the online version. I don't play two K, but like I was reading his rating actually, like his real time rating. They have real time ratings, right? As well, like you have this like fixed rating, like if you don't do online. But I don't know. It was just kind of a humorous thing I heard. I don't know if that really influenced <laughs> him, but I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Nearby Paris. That's more funny than anything else, really. All right, let's start with Paris. What do you think? Uh, I don't know about the 2K rating, but I definitely can see how, you know, the talk with Big Perk would kind of motivate him. And what I've seen this whole season is really what the Celtics are lacking is that strong, consistent leadership. Like, it really makes a huge difference if the best guy in your locker room can also be the loudest voice and the strongest leader. Like, obviously, you have Kemba and you have Marcus Smart. But if you can have Jason Tatum really, like, speaking his truth and kind of motivating this team to win, I think that will make a huge difference for the Celtics. So really, Perk, they haven't had that. Like, I mean, since Kevin Garnett, right? Like, I mean, that type of presence. Like, that's what you're talking about, right? Like a great player and also like a great voice. Yeah, Marcus Smart sort of been that. Fill that role a little bit during his tenure because he was definitely like a seasoned player. But yeah, but we definitely need someone more like Kevin Garnett going forward. So I don't know if he's going to get there. He's definitely not that type of personality. But you know, we'll see. Kevin Garnett was like a notorious trash talker. Jason Tatum yeah. was definitely not like that at all. <laughs> but Anir, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty – I'm looking forward to that too. I was reading about how Perkins actually ripped the the Boston Celtics bench actually a few days ago too. So it's definitely not that his criticism, criticism is restricted to Tatum. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I am. I, I do definitely think, you know, if that's what works, just keep doing it. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, his free throws have been improving. I think he recently said maybe a few days ago that he's very close to hundred percent after recovering from COVID-19. I think, I think, I think we probably get used to that. I think maybe that fact keeps getting glossed over that it is a physical recovery for a lot of people after contracting the disease. So it's excellent to see, you know, I'm really hoping that his hundred percent will really see that full blossoming that we were hoping from. And also kind of related to Jabari Parker, right? I'm also hoping that his appearance can specifically take some of the pressure off Tatum and Brown too, because I don't think anyone's really expecting Parker to be Jabari Parker to be more than like a very, a good role player. I mean, that's kind of like what we're expecting. And if it turns out that he's a very efficient role player, then I think that's an excellent signing for us. And I think that would be great to have an option. I mean, I'm not expecting to match Tatum or Brown in their numbers, but you know, it's, it's a good option when one of them's getting some rest in the final minutes or yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, like that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe he can be like a spot starter at best. But also, yeah, no, they play the Golden State Warriors as you mentioned, Rohan tonight. Steph Curry's been on a tear. He's averaging 39 points a month in a, per game this in April. But like the Warriors, um, they're no longer that Warriors team we're used to. They're 28 and 28, and the nine seed, which this season means they will still be in the playoffs in the play-in. Right? Yeah, it seems like there's a power shift that that's gone from the Western Conference to the East now. That we have several good teams in the East you got like you got Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Uh, don't forget now, like, Brooklyn kind of stole KD from Golden State. Oh uh, yeah, so it's so it's uh so the power shift is more direct. Yep, and they also got James Harden and Kyrie. So yeah, no, like obviously Brooklyn is definitely like the team to beat right now in the East or the West. But anyway, that's the status for the Celtics. Obviously, a promising week, 30 and 26, and we'll see what happens. Let's talk about some Red Sox now. Obviously, I mean they've been continuing to play well. Obviously, I know they lost to the twins on Thursday. Yeah, what's going on? Nine What's and going on? And, 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 and I mean that. that in a good way. I mean that in a good way. I mean, they've been good. Like, I mean, this has been a good season so far. Like, I mean, after, like, they lost to Baltimore, got swept, embarrassing, absolute embarrassing sweep, you've been 9-1. and one. And in that span, like, I'll take it. I mean, people saying it's early. Yes, it's early. But, you know, after what happened last season in 2019, everything that's been going on, the idea that so now you're nine and four, you're sitting in first place. And this is a good team that's being like, they're playing well right now. And they play the Chicago White Sox. Obviously yesterday's game rained out, but I don't know. I like the way they played this week. JD Martins looks like an MVP contender again. And Raphael Devers. Bobby Dalbeck's been getting ball. it together as well. He's been impressive. Only thing that really kind of worries me though, Rohan, it's like the pitching staff. Is that going to be good enough to really sustain over the course of the season? I'm, I'm more worried about the bullpen. I'm, I'm, I'm not as worried about the starters. I, I am more worried about the bullpen. Well, really, aside Ottavino, Ottavino's been bad, but everyone else has been kind of okay, right? Like Darvidson Hernandez is pretty. Evaldi's good. been Mark. good. Erod's been good. Garrett well, Richards. We're talking about the bullpen, though. No, no we're talking about the bullpen. The bullpen. Oh, yeah, yeah, the bull- yeah, yeah. No, so like I mean, Ottavino's really the one guy who's kind of been concerning to me and i don't know it's interesting he grew up a yankees fan played for the yankees <laughs> did the yankees purposely send him over to screw over the red Sox? <laughs> i always kind of wonder that sometimes but to <laughs> anyways, i'm just Trojan, joking Trojan matt, horse conspiracy theory <laughs> well i'm just joking about that like, matt barnes actually grew up a yankees fan and he's been pretty good with the red Sox, and he also won the world series and beat the yanks in 08 and Garrett the, whitlock's paul, also a yankees prospect so paul pierce grew up a lakers fan other sport but fun fact <laughs> yep Exactly. No, so yeah, on the airbound, what were you saying? What do you think about the Red Sox? Do you think this is like for real or do you think they're going to like fizzle out at some point? You know, I saw a really interesting comparison actually, and I think it was made by John Cooter of Boston.com. And actually, what he noted was that a very similar situation from the start of the season was actually the 1991 Seattle Mariners, where I believe they actually lost six games in a row to start the season, proceed to an eight. And what he kind of noted was that in that 91 season, it was kind of a, a boom bust in a lot of fashions for the Mariners. And they ended up 
roughly ended up being fifth place or whatever they had originally projected. So I'm kind of interested in seeing how the situation turns out for the Red Sox because certainly I don't think there's any indication that this is going to be a disaster like some people were thinking at the beginning of the season. If anything, I think we're going to reach about the ceiling that was optimistically projected, if not hopefully higher. Especially, I think we're seeing besides JD Martinez, I think we really need to highlight Rafael Devers in the last few games. Yep, and then I mean, Christian Vasquez, Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo's been awesome. Verdugo's been awesome, but but then Devers. Oh yeah, yeah, like he he almost kept the streak going. (laughs) Verdugo. Oh yeah, yeah. That I just want to point out that loss to Minnesota. Like I don't like to usually say this is a good loss. I'm not really the moral victory type person at all. But you were down three nothing in the like the last game of a series. You actually battle back and you push it to extra innings. That is grit that championship teams do. And I'm not saying this is a championship team, but they are showing them more and more that this could be like maybe like a 2013 season where expectations were so low and then they ended up winning the whole thing. Like, I don't want to like bring comparisons back to 2013, but really the 2021 team could end up making some noise. And look, the New York Yankees, we all picked them to win the division. They're bad right now. They're, their fans are throwing baseballs onto the field to protest how bad this team is, that team is playing. And this is like the team that was favored. So I will gladly anytime take nine and four over what the Yankees are doing right now. It's always good to beat New York. I mean, yeah, but, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's early, but I mean, like, I, I mean, it, it's, they're doing great, but I mean, I, I'll still, I'll still say that it is, that it is early. And like, I, like, I, I almost want to say that, that, um, yes, teams that go on really, really hot streaks. Uh, my only word of caution is that the moment that that streak ends, they tend to fall off a cliff. And now that, that streak has ended, I mean, like we would have known yesterday if they, uh, if they were able to get back to winning ways yesterday against uh, against the White Sox back in. What about the 2018 uh, Red Sox? Teams. What about the 2018 Red Sox? They had a ton of hot streaks and they won the whole thing. So that's not always the case. Yeah, that 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 that, that is true. Uh, but but their record, their winning percentage right now is abnormally high, and there is going to be some sort of reversion to the mean. Whatever that mean is, we don't know what that mean is yet. That's what. That's why you have that course of 162 games. Of course, I've argued in the past that that's too long. But anyway, that's what a 162 game season does. But I mean, 13, 13 games in, uh, yeah, you're gonna, you're, it's a smaller sample size. You're gonna see teams that are that look abnormally good, teams that look abnormally bad. The teams that look abnormally bad are gonna get better. The teams that look abnormally good are are gonna fall back down to earth, and that's just how that's just how it goes. So we're gonna have to really see how um what that reversion to the mean is going to be for Red Sox. They are going to get worse. I can pretty much guarantee that they're going to get uh, going to get worse. How much worse? I mean, we know they're not going to be this hot, but are they going to really, really? Are they going to just down, or are they going to fall off of a cliff? I think this team has momentum now, and I think I agree. Like obviously, they're not going to like play like this every week or every day, but I do think that this could be a team. Like I mean, from I had like what eighty-seven wins. This could be a team that ends up like pushing to 90, 92 wins. I mean, yeah. Anirvan, what do you think? Uh, it's it's possible. Like I was saying, eighty-five wins before the season started, but ninety certainly looks doable now. Yeah, Anirvan, what do you think? Like, ninety wins I mean, possible? I mean, I think so. I mean, the obviously, like like Rowan said, if we look at now and they're on pace for one hundred and twelve, you know, that's probably. I mean, that's the that's the ceiling, right? But carefully, I, I would say one thing to note is that if you look at the last games they won together in that ninety winning streak, right? Two of those games were extra innings, right? And uh, add in a few kind of comeback games too in that period. And you're kind of left with, you know, this is a team that definitely shows the grit, I think, in carrying the extra mile. But it's also important to keep in mind, you know, these are pretty close games that almost end up, you know, you could argue like a coin flip or that kind of scenario, right? So I'd say that that the, the caution there is obviously that you need to put the nine game in perspective. But I'd say the good thing too is that I think, again, adding to the mental fortune grit to really grind out those results to have the mentality that should come back over nine innings and win a game 
those are really important uh, characteristics, especially for a team that might even have a bit of an underdog mentality. So. Yeah, they definitely have that. I mean, they finished the last place last year. And Paris, yeah. just curious. Uh, what uh, you, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Paris, like, what are your take? Do you think this team is like overachieving, or do you think this is like a team that we can expect, like a good baseball? Do you think we'll have a baseball season this year, where it's actually going to be fun to watch this Red Sox team? I definitely think we will. You know, I tend to be a little bit pessimistic in general when it comes to the Red Sox. We have been let down so many times, you know, so many great seasons followed by terrible seasons. But, you know, just the way that they've been playing so far, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to have at least a decent season. We'll have, you know, a chance to take the division. Definitely a chance at a wild card. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the season for the Red Sox. I think, I think we definitely have a chance to make some noise. No, I totally agree. I think like, yeah, at this point, they've given us a reason to watch their games, right? And that's really the most we can expect. Like that's what we can ask for. Not every year you can win a championship. At the end of the day, it's just, you want a competitive season that actually gets you invested, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is like a weirdly good team because, because a lot of the players, I mean, obviously JD Martinez, he's been there for, for a few years, but like a lot of these names, like, 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 Franchi Cordero, like Rafael Devers has been there for a little while, but like, like Bobby Dahlbeck, a lot, a lot of these players are like outperforming, like they're not household names. And well, so not yet, but a lot of them are really young. Like Franchi Cordero is what he is, but Dahlbeck is like a prospect still. Like now I think he's finally, like he is a little old though. I think he's like 24, 25, but like a lot of those guys you mentioned, like Dahlbeck, Cordero, Cordero is like very new, but like, I think those guys are kind of new. So that's why they haven't become household yeah, But like, but like, I mean, like, I, I feel like, right. I feel like the Red Sox are the sleeper pick right now. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing well, so we'll have to see. Like, obviously, they play Chicago for uh, four games. Like, uh, I think today's just one, tomorrow the doubleheader, and then they have the Patriots Day game on Monday. So we'll see how they do against the White Sox um, coming up. But that's the Red Sox take. Obviously, they've been playing pretty well. It's been a good season so far, 9-4, and four, and hopefully 10-4 and four after today when they play the White Sox. But anyways, guys, let's uh, wrap up by talking about the New England Patriots, the team that every year for from 2001 to 2019 gave us – hope every year from that span whether or not they won or not but let's talk about them and kind of their fall from grace well, and... hope is a choice <laughs> hope is relative i mean come on they were not mixed <laughs> every season pretty much I mean, they always had a shot you always had a feeling they could win the super bowl even if they didn't but anyway, talking about last year yeah, yeah that's a good trend but let's talk about like i don't know like what do you think is going on with this quarterback situation? It's just really weird because you get Hunter Henry, you get John Smith, you get Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, obviously, um, and who else? Um, and then you have Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry returning. So we had so many guys on offense, and then you add Matthew Judon on defense, among other players, Jalen Mills, and you add like talent around your roster. But at the quarterback position, you bring back Cam Newton. Can you explain, like, I don't know, like, I'm just trying to process, like, what's the plan for this team? Choice. What's Seems the plan for this team? They, they, I, I mean, know. they were looking at Justin Fields in the meantime to, to get him from Ohio State. They were looking at that. I don't know how that's Well, we'll going. see what happens because, I don't know, like, the 49ers did trade up to the number three spot, and that obviously brings about speculation for Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. I don't know, Paris, do you like Jimmy Garoppolo, like, back here? Do you actually want him back here? Or would you prefer, like, a Cam Newton and drafting someone? What do you, What's your preference for this team? What do you think is the, what this team should do? Man, these Patriots, let me tell you, you know, maybe if you asked me two years ago, if I wanted Garoppolo back, I'd say, yeah, you know, I'd welcome him with open arms. But at this point, I think we just got to stay away from him. And we also, I don't know how we're going to draft someone good, given our draft pick situation. I honestly feel like Bill Belichick maybe just be waiting to retire at this point, bringing Cam Newton back. 
But I think I think this season's just going to be about figuring out all of our role player positions. Just kind of like again, part of the rebuild, part of the recovery from Tom Brady leaving. Uh, yeah, I, I think Camden is really just like a placeholder for now, while we try to look for someone well, else and develop people. But that doesn't really make like I mean, I would agree with you there, but like, why would you spend that much money? Why would you spend like a record amount of money in free agency if you weren't about like trying to win, like rebuilding? Like, you don't bring in Hunter Henry, John o. Smith if you're trying to rebuild. You're bringing in them in because you want to win now, right? And fifteen million for Kendrick Bourne, which is yeah, a very like Kendrick, a lot of money Nelson for Nelson Aguilar, like all these guys, like you bring you pay all this money and then you bring in cam newton back and like you're probably gonna draft now look at the same time like i don't know what you're the- not the only one confused here trust me <laughs> i don't know like this situation's very like it's just the plan right like you let tom brady go and then he literally just absolutely like annihilates you because he wins the super bowl and you miss the playoffs and now you still have no quarterback plan after one season like the way I look at it is like it's not the seven and nine record that bothers bothers me from last season. It's the fact that they went seven and nine, and we're basically in the same situation. We're asking the same questions one year later that we were asking then. What's the plan? If Jared Stidham had gone seven and nine, honestly, that would have been better actually than Cam Newton because we know Cam Newton is not like a starting caliber quarterback anymore. At least with Jared Stidham, there's like that hope. If he had gone seven and nine, you're like, okay, he can improve. But with Cam Newton, it's like you already know like like what the situation is, you bring him back. And I don't know, is it going to be like a Newton Stidham again in quarterback camp? Like, I don't know what's going on anymore. Like, it's really just baffling. And I really hope they draft someone because I don't know, another season of Cam Newton throwing the ball at his like receiver's knees, like complete incomplete. I can't take that anymore. Well, I guess one thing to consider with Cam Newton, I guess, is, I think last season was his first full whole 16 game season that he's played in a while. And obviously getting used to the Patriots system does take a little bit of time. So I would, I would say that he's they'll probably give him the first eight games. If he goes maybe five and three or six and two, then they'll keep him on. But I definitely think they won't hesitate as much to bring Stedham in, but I don't know. It's, it's definitely a pretty volatile situation right now that we'll have to keep Keep following. Yeah, you're volatile at the most important position in football, right? <laughs> volatile, <laughs> in other words, in other words, downward. Pretty much. I mean, it's amazing, right? Like we never have to worry about this because of the uh, uh, yeah. Like I, I was saying, like about a month ago, I believe on the podcast that the Patriots should just tank and they should just go, go all on out and rebuild. But then when they had that series of um, signings, it's like, wait, what is Belichick doing here? Is he actually trying to make the team better? Uh, so I, I, I'm not quite sure if he's trying to compete, trying to do well, or if he's trying, I mean, he's, he's not trying to sink the team. I don't even know what his motivation is at this point. It's really one of the biggest mysteries. Yeah, pretty much. And Nirvan, do you have any thoughts on all this? Like, I don't know. We're all just trying to figure out what's going on right now. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that we're going to see some kind of draft maneuvering from the Patriots already. I mean, for example, there were actually multiple Patriots executives to build all street didn't come to Justin Fields, I believe, second kind of pro day. Um, there's like a lot of very likely speculation that Patriots will try some kind of trades with either the Falcons or possibly other teams to either move up and get Mac Jones or, well, honestly, like the Patriots, quite frankly, being linked with just about every, like every top 15 tier QB in that draft pool. But I don't think it's, I think it's too early to really rule out that and then if you consider having Cam Newton around as like a person who has been a Super Bowl maybe in that Joe Flacco type mentor role or 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's is that he what is Cam Newton want to do? Would Cam Newton like be okay being like the backup, like Joe Flacco? I just feel like the way like he's sort of it's better than being unemployed. But I mean, I mean, I'm not sure what then. if he wants to. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that if he has made, I mean, I, there must have been a conversation between him and Bill Belichick, like. I'm, I'm, I'm would be highly like, I, I would have expected that, you know, this between the two of them, Cam Newton understands what his role will be for the next year. Like there, that just wouldn't make sense. Otherwise, in my Wait, opinion, you're saying so, that like, Bill Belichick actually communicates with like those players on decisions, like Malcolm Butler. Did you tell Malcolm Butler ahead of time in that Super Bowl? We're not I mean, Cam Newton has, has some agency there. If you really like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I, you know, if that's what his role is, that's what his role is. I mean, he, he is someone I think is pretty popular on the Patriots. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Like, I just, I hope they have a plan because I don't know. I don't want to see another season like what we saw in 2020 where, I mean, I will say this, and maybe this is like probably the logic that maybe they've gone with. Like, I don't think Belichick will ever say this publicly, but do remember, I guess like to, to start the 2020 season, they were actually two and one and they beat the, they beat the Dolphins and then they beat the Raiders. And if you remember that Seattle game, it came down to that final play where he was stopped like the two yard line or the one yard line. So if, if that never happens, you're, down, you're up 3-0. You're, sorry, you're, you start the season three and zero and then you play Kansas City. And then after Kansas City, he got COVID and then they go on that four game losing streak and then they're really not the same anymore. So maybe Bill's logic here is Cam was actually pretty good. And then that disruption happens this time with like the vaccine, like we won't have to worry about COVID being the same like threat it was a season ago where like you lose like multiple practice weeks and stuff like that potentially. So maybe that's his logic. And if that's the case, maybe it's worth giving Cam like as you mentioned, Paris, like eight games or so to see like what he's capable of. And yeah, go from there. Like, I don't know. Is that like, does that make some sense possibly? I, mean, I just, just sort of like was thinking maybe that's like the reasoning Belichick came up with. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, it's so hard to judge any player based on a single season. And, you know, with the seasons that Cam Newton's had in the past, and like you said, he was playing pretty well those first three games. So there's no doubt about that. That, you know, obviously these free agent signings kind of, you know, muddle things a little bit, but it's definitely like we don't have that much to lose by giving Cam Newton another chance. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And I guess just quickly want to touch upon this because this was also pretty big news. Julian Edelman, star wide receiver. Uh, he retired. Um, obviously I just want to quickly, like, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously there's the hall of fame discussion. I mean, I'm just going to start. I'm going to ask all of you guys, do you think he's a hall of famer? I'm going to start first. I don't think he's a hall of famer. Like I look, I love the guy, like everything he gave for this team, but he never made a Pro Bowl, and he does have, like, amazing postseason accomplishments. But I don't think I would ever say Julian Edelman was, like, one of the best wide receivers in the league. I, I think he's, like, kind of, like, one of those guys. Like, he was very much like Tom – like, having Tom Brady as his quarterback. That's why he has so many opportunities to play in playoff games. But And he made the plays given the opportunities. But he's definitely not, like – he's definitely not, like, a top-tier receiver. Like, like Julio Jones or Calvin Johnson. He's not even in that conversation. Or I'm just – bringing up like top receiver names like randy moss like he's going to be entertained what do you think Rowan? do you think he's a hall of famer i think it's be entertained i would lean yes i would, I would lean yes it's, it's, i mean like of, of course i'm speaking as a patriots fan but i mean like he was part of so many clutch comics especially that the catch in 51 it was insane of course one play right but but i mean for all the uh years uh and and, and time he's given for the patriots and the organization and the crucial parties played for uh, like uh, for so many years, and as as part of the Patriots' victories, um, you can't ignore uh, the crucial part that he played for so many years. 
And uh, I mean, yeah, I guess like, what is he the best uh, wide receiver? Like, is he among the best? I mean, that that's a, maybe maybe that's a, another discussion to have. And of course, that is a discussion that's going to be had uh, when you're being uh, considered for the Hall of Fame. But but um, if the criteria for the Hall of Fame is making a large impact on your team and uh, being there in clutch moments, everyone's got to be. No, no, no. It's, it's got to be a yes. I also think like part of the Hall of Fame is like, were you one of the best wide receivers? Um, like when you were playing at least, or are you one of the greatest players of all time? That's what, I mean, obviously like Tom Brady, that's like a unanimous yes. Everyone's going to say that. Rob Gronkowski, yes. Like those are players who like instantly we think Hall of Fame just because they were so great. Edelman's a great player, but I don't think he had, he didn't have the same dominance that Brady did at the QB position or Gronk did as a tight end. But I, I'm just curious about your thoughts, like Paris nearby. No, you're, you're bringing up good points, Rohan. I just want to hear what you guys think about this because this is going to be something we're going to hear a lot about now. Now that sure. he's retired. Nearby, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's one of those tough ones, right, where inevitably, I mean, we've seen this man play, like, in some of the best football you'll ever see in the latter half of the 2010s. Um, I, I kind of think of him in some ways as, like, a parallel in some ways to David Ortiz on the Red Sox as, like, a guy who maybe, like, I mean, obviously David Ortiz hit, like, a lot of home runs in his slugger role, but his most iconic – he was known for being an icon for the Boston Red Sox, right? Like, we remember his – everything he did in the postseason in 2004 is some of the most like famous iconic moments in Boston history. And I think Julian Edelman Dude. would be, um, yeah, exactly. Rowan, right. And I think, he's like, definitely a hall of famer. If you're, if, you, if that's the, if that's the comparison you're making, then Edelman's gotta be a hall of famer. If well, that's the comparison you're making. Well, I I'd say like, I mean, if you look at, if you, well, I, I'm not trying to compare big pop here. I love the guy, but I guess my point is like, you look at a guy like Frank Thomas or like other, similar struggles like sluggers from the era there is like like if you were to take away like a lot of the postseason like iconic moments of big poppy i will okay my purpose in making this analogy isn't uh on big poppy I, I but... don't know if I'd compare ortiz with uh edelman i feel like ortiz would be more like brady as just because that's that's kind of what i was thinking too i mean and then like or, like edelman is more like kind of dustin pedroia like a pretty yeah yeah, a good one. Well, I guess like I guess my purpose for Edelman here is like a guy who's first of all like in the discussion of like you know like this is like in being a member of the Patriots offense in the latter half of the 2010s like this is a team where like you'd have games where a guy like Rex Burkhead goes and gets three touchdowns in like a game or something like the, their system and for a lot is not really like it, like the, this isn't a system where you have a guy like who can put up DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams numbers I don't think especially in the era that he was playing for us maybe maybe when Randy Moss was here or like some, some guy like that. But like, I mean, he did what he, you know, when, when we needed him, he, he caught the ball and he, he did his job. Right. Like I, I find it, like, I find it a little difficult to just base it on regular season. Cause like, if you were to ask me, right. Is that Edelman a top five receiver? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Right. I would not say that for any of the years he played that he was a top five receiver, but like, you know, the things he did and being an icon, I think that's a big part of, what kind of cements you in Super Bowl and NFL legacy. Like, I think he's, for example, in the 2010s Patriots all-decade team. I think that counts for something, given that in the latter half of the 2010s, the Patriots were the dominant team of the NFL. So, you know, it's kind of like what Sir Alex Ferguson said about his great team, you know, Fergie's fledglings, I think, in the in the early 90s, where, um, you know, at a certain point, when, you, when your entire standard of your team is performing so well, it's really difficult to give every single player just credit for like the big accomplishments, uh, big accomplishments they make, right? Like for every role, like David Beckham or Eric Cantona, or you, you might've had a guy like Gary Neville who, who wasn't as appreciated at the time. It was obviously a huge part. So, you know, 
my, my heart would tell me I want him to go in because even if his regular stats don't make it, I think he has a legacy in the game. That would be a, you know, his catch will be definitely a photo in, in Canton, just like Shoeless Joe Jackson's yeah. shoes. Are or there. like, I mean, I'd say like, I mean, I don't know. I and mean, we'll get to this like after, but I just want to hear Paris's thoughts like on Edelman. Do you think he's, I, I look, I, I'd be okay if he's on the Hall of Fame, but I just don't know like the zero Pro Bowls. It's like, I mean, that's why it's sort of like the realistic discussion because obviously as fans, we love him because like everything he did, like, Super Bowl 49, he caught... I don't know if Pro Bowls matter. It's, like... No, Pro Bowls but Pro Bowls, count. No, no, Pro Bowl, like, the, the game itself isn't a thing, but being named to a Pro Bowl, it's, like, you means, like, you were one of the best players for that season. It's like the All-Star game, right, for baseball? Like... Yeah, like, yeah but... Yeah, yeah, but even... But yeah, yeah, but even then, I mean, like, your legacy is, is more determined by uh, the kind of stuff that you do in, in games that count. And I mean, Edelman is second all time in postseason catches. And you know who number one is? The greatest wide receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. So that is good company for sure. Like, I mean, if you if we're talking about playoff stats, like he's second all time. And Jerry Rice himself has said that Edelman deserves consideration. So coming from some of the highest like names up there as you can go, um, I mean, he has a case. I, I will say this. I think he has a case. I don't know if he'll get in, but look, if he gets in, I'm not going to complain about it. But Paris, what do you think? Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Like, well, Trying to put try to put aside the bias here because we're all Patriots fans. We all love them. <laughs> like, what do you think? Yeah, I would really just echo what everyone else said that, you know, in terms of his legacy for the Patriots, you know, if you said top, you know, 30 Patriots players of all time, sure, definitely throw him in there. But like if you looked like every single season, if you rank the number one receiver for every single team, I, I doubt he makes the top 16 or the top 15 any of those seasons. And on top of the zero Pro Bowls, he's also never had a season where he made more than 10 touchdown passes or touchdown catches, which is like a pretty surprising thing, given that he was the number one receiver for such a long time. And, you know, the fact that we're even having this debate is obviously, you know, it speaks to how much of an impact he had and the fact that he has been a good receiver. But, you know, the Hall of Fame is something really special. And, you know, when you see the number of players that like had like far more impressive careers than him who haven't made it in yet. It's hard to think, you know, that he's necessarily deserving of that spot, like right away. It, it's definitely, it's definitely a bit iffy, but yeah, obviously I love the guy like everyone else, but as of right now, I would probably say no. Yeah, no, I agree. I pretty much, I have the same sentiment. I like, I mean, I'll, we'll always be grateful for everything he did. Like 49, he caught the game winning touchdown pass. And he also took that hit by Cam Chancellor on that third and 14. I don't know if you guys remember that but that was like that play that pretty much defined the game they were down 10 third and 14 with like seven minutes left he took that he made Brady throws that ball Edelman catches it gets absolutely smashed by Chancellor probably got concussed on that play but he kept running and then he scores a touchdown that won them the game then of course 51 the his famous catch which somehow he caught that I still don't really know how that worked but it worked he caught it and then 53 he won he wins Super Bowl MVP and one of the low in the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever so yeah, no, and I just I don't know last segment on this. Uh, what are your favorite? What's your favorite Edelman moment? Just one moment. So I'll start with Rohan. What's your favorite? Oh come on, it's got to be the catch. Man. It's got to be the fifty-one catch. That was like the, the most epic comeback of all time. I don't think you're ever going to see anything like that again in the game. Yeah, <laughs> pretty popular choice, Paris. What about you? Yeah, I say it's the same thing. When I saw that catch, I was going crazy. Like a guy that small making that catch with two guys on him, that was absolutely beautiful. Definitely my yeah. favorite. Yeah, and yeah, um, your band? Yeah, I mean, I can't really say anything other than that catch, right? But a, another second would definitely be his pass to 
uh, Danny oh, yeah. Amendola oh, yeah, in the yeah, 2014 yeah. divisional against the oh, Ravens. Yeah. That would be if if it weren't for, you know, that that if that catch had happened in like any other game other than like the Super Bowl, then the divisional round one would be my number one. But obviously, Super Bowl game like so important to for the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Like you gotta you gotta really vote for that one. And I think that's I mean you know that's an iconic moment, and I think that you know Hall of Fame discussion that that has a lot of weight in my opinion. All right, I guess the catch is going to be unanimous here. I guess all of us are going with that. I mean, I don't know. I always have, like, that 2016 team is, like, my favorite of the six, like, Super Bowl teams. Like, I went to Super Bowl 53, so, like, I know, like, people might say, like, isn't 2018? That 2016 team is, will always be my favorite just because, you know, like, Brady misses the four games because of deflate gate, and then they go three and one, and then they go on that tear, and then they win the Super Bowl the way they did, and Goodell has to hand in the trophy. Still my favorite of the six Super Bowls, and probably always will be. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, just everything from that season, the catch he made, the impact he had. But, no, like, definitely, like, it's a valid case. We'll see what happens. I, mean, I think there will be more conversation going forward. And, but, yeah, we'll see what happens about this going forward. Obviously, the Patriots are kind of in this – it's kind of strange, right? Because they're like they've been the one consistent rock for all these years. Like all these other teams, like the Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox, they'd go up and down. But you know, the Patriots pretty much every season were locked for twelve games when Brady and Belichick were here. Now it's just Belichick, and no longer that lock is there. But anyways, we'll see what happens. But that'll do it for this show, guys. Um, thank you guys for joining once again, and to our audience, you can follow us on the CV Update podcast on Instagram, and you can also subscribe to us on YouTube. That will be it for this week. Have a good one, guys. And guys, thank you for joining. Any final words, too, before we uh, leave? No, I'll just say thank you. Go. You know, oh, sorry. A lot of fun. Definitely want to come back sometime soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, we'll schedule you back on for sure, Paris. And Anirban, thank you for joining. We'll definitely have both of you guys. Hopefully, Ravi can join next time again, and then we can have a three-person panel. To join. Yeah, it's good to have the panel along, yeah. All right, that'll do it. Yeah, have a thank great you. Thanks for having us. It was really fun. Yep. Yep, definitely. Thank you all for coming and have a great rest of your day. All right. right. Until then.